Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shear. The Nishmat Rizun Bas Rachachan and Ezra. And a fool's Yeshua is for those that need. This week, Shabbos Pash B'Shalach Shabbos Shira. Today, is the auspicious day of Yud Shvat, the tenth day of Shvat. The tenth day of Shvat is marked as the anniversary of the passing of the previous Rebbe, Rav Yitzchok, and the acceptance a year later of the mantle of Rebbe on Yud Shvat of Shiralov. And what does that mean to us? Honestly. The previous Rebbe, Friedrich Rebbe, was the epitome of Messias Nefesh. The self-sacrifice, the abnegation that this person had, this Rebbe had, it's not exemplary. It was above and beyond what many understand and can understand and can grasp. There was no stone unturned in the time of the Friedrich Rebbe. (coughs) If there was a Jew that was reachable, he saw to it that someone was sent to them somehow, somewhere. He was imprisoned because of the Jewish activities, as well as religious activities. And they wanted to make an example out of him. They wanted more than an example out of him. They found they felt that he was a tremendous, tremendous um, thorn in their side in the Russian communism, especially when it came to Yiddishkeit, constantly opening up Chedarim, constantly opening up different underground maesters to help and to support and to give Yidin what they need and how they need and where they need to be. And this to the communist Russian was not a favorable act and behavior. Quite literally, he faced the barrel of a, of a pistol more than once and the famous line of the Friedrich Rebbe that toy frightens somebody that has one world and two gods a person that has one god and two worlds is not frightened of that referring to the, na- the nature of the Jew the, la- the life of a Jew that has one god whom we serve, whom we know has given us and gives us everything that we need to have at all times, and it always is only good. And we're in this world for the mission that we have on this world, for the the obligations that we have on this world, for the last is like Diri is 
to make a dwelling place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu there, here in this world, as we know in the Maim, as we learn in the Maim of Basi the Gani, but also the Migdash of Shechanti B'Seichem B'Seichel Echad V'Yechad Mi'Yisrael, to make me a tabernacle, and I will dwell amongst them. Why does it say amongst them and not amongst it? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is referring to each and every Jew as a private, their own tabernacle, their own temple. And therefore, it's this temple, this tabernacle, this vessel of holiness of each and every Jew that each and every Jew has and each and every Jew lives by and each and every Jew creates and each and every Jew improves and enhances through their own powers and ways and beliefs and devotions and dedications is this very vessel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cherishes and sees to and wants to see how it exists and coexists on the world, and coexists with its fellow person, fellow Jew, and sees to it that HaKadosh Baruch feels welcome here on this world, and accepts the yoke of heaven to an extent that there is no other, and there is no other thought, or thought pattern even, that anything or anyone else is running this world. We face many different obstacles. It's the way the world was created. It's the way HaKadosh Baruch runs the world. Constantly standing in front of us are obstacles that don't necessarily make it easy. Whether it's an obstacle in kosher, keeping kosher, whether it's an obstacle keeping Shabbos, whether it's an obstacle of just plain coexisting in the world every one of us face these obstacles financial, medical personal psychological however HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his ominous wisdom has a solution for each and every one of these obstacles But we yet, yet we see so many people that Rahman al suffer. So many people that Rahman al-Sun have these handicaps, that Rahman al-Sun have these illnesses, or Rahman al-Sun have whatever problems they go through. And what's required of them? Believe that Hashem did this for good. Believe that this happened to you. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has a master plan. The master plan, which will all come out good, it will all be good for you, it will be beautiful. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Many of us go through and face indescribable torture and pain that either keeps us up at night with horrific nightmares or even by day we just face we can't look in the mirror and we say to ourselves what are we doing what, what, what has happened what's become of us what will become of us 
or we're just not happy. We're just not happy. We don't find the handle. Can't find the handle. Can't put a handle on it. We can't figure out how to grab the bull by the horns, as we say. And it's just something that we need to figure out. We need that push. We need that light to guide us through it. Some of us have that power within ourselves, with the self-control, the self-drive, and thereby overcome these things, and thereby live through them and say, I have it, I got this, I'll move on, I'll make it work. But sometimes, sometimes we just say to ourselves, we say to our I can't anymore. I just can't anymore. It's, it's, it's beyond. It's too much. You've handed me too heavy of a bag, too heavy of a box. It's a burden. You want me to do the right thing and to be the right person. You want me to daven. You want me to give tzedakah. You want me to eat kosher. You want me to keep Shabbos. You want me to do the things that are supposed to happen. But yet. But yet. You say that the world is created so that we should have, we should build a family, and we should procreate, we should have children, we should have family. And yet, you put so many obstacles when it comes to a shidduch. You put so many different walls and barriers that go up and that I can't figure out how to do it and how to get through or I just don't meet the right person or the right person is never offered and never name, names never come up and then can I have children can I have children male, female so many different things involved in being able to conceive a child And we start to doubt. And if we conceive a child, and the woman either becomes pregnant or the father impregnates a woman, her husband, his wife, what will the child be? Will the child be healthy? Will the child have all its fingers and hands and toes? Will it have all its limbs? Will it be formed properly? Will it be a beautiful child? Will it be able to learn? Will it be able to read? Will it be able to talk? Will it be able to walk? Will it be able to function? Will it have so many medical ailments? Will everything be in the right place? The heart and the liver and the kidney and everything be in the right place in the brain? So, so many fig- things, the configurations that come into fight, the frightening, frightening thoughts of a person's mind. And we look at this week's Pasha. And we see in this week's Pasha, the Jews come to the Reed Sea. They leave Egypt, and they leave Mitzrayim, and they go, and they travel, and the Egyptians decide, Pare decides, what happened here? How did I leave them? How did they let them go? That's my workforce. And he goes into pursuit with 600 chariots, and horses, (laughs) obviously, 
question begs to ask, where did he get 600 horses to lift all those plagues? But okay, we'll talk about that another time. It's not for now. The fact is though he comes to chase the Jews, and they come to the Yamsuf. And the Jews looked to the right desert and to the left of the desert, and in front of them was the water. And they even looked up to heaven to pray. And the angel of Egypt, the angel of Mitzrayim, was also coming down upon them, also coming to attack them. What now? What now? And the Eden began to scream. Eden began to scream. By its Aku B'nei Yisrael Hashem. They screamed. And Rashi tells us, By its Aku, Chipsu Umnois Avihem. They searched for the Umnois, the craft of their fathers. How so? what way what does this mean what does this imply why is it called such a such an expression Tvila it's called an omnis a job a fact a craft fact is you left Egypt you left Mitzrayim which was one of the most horrific exiles you could think of and you were oppressed and you were tortured and everything else <laughs> and now you come to a little obstacle again and you start crying and davening HaKadosh Baruch told you I'm taking you out I'm taking you out with a strong hand so if you believe HaKadosh Baruch promised you to take you out good what are you screaming about? If you don't believe, what's going to help? Who are you davening to? Where you, where's your mind? Where's your frame of mind here? If you have faith that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told you, I'm taking you out of Egypt, and I'm bringing you to the Holy the Promised Land, and I'm bringing you to Mount Teda, and <coughs> <coughs> you believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is going to fulfill his promise. What are you screaming about? Because you see a predicament here? Don't you understand that HaKadosh Baruch is in control? Elamai, you have your doubts. HaKadosh Baruch I'm in trouble. What's going on over here? But, you're going to daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? You're going to pray to such a HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you're saying you have doubts? He put you in a predicament here? <laughs> I told this one a million times. The guy falls off the cliff. He's holding on for his dear life on the branch. And he calls up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he says, Rabbi Nishalim, save me, please. I've been always good. I've been kind. I've been this, I've been that. And he hears the heavenly voice. Do you believe in me? Yes, HaKadosh Baruch, I believe in you. Do you have total faith in me? Yes, HaKadosh Baruch, I have total faith in you. So the heavenly voice tells him, leave go of the branch. He looks down. It's a 10,000 foot drop. 
He leaves go of the branch. He's history. He's toast. And he looks back up to heaven. And he says, Anybody else up there can help me? So, the question here is the same thing. Who are they dominating to? Do they believe that Akash Baruch took the mountain is going to save them? Or do they feel that Akash Baruch can save them? Why are they dominating to him? What are they doing here? This is why Tefillah is called Umnais. A craft to teach us that it was not only Tefillah because they were concerned, because they were in in a dilemma. This is the nature of the Jew. This is the way they do things. Anytime, everything, they daven. It's thank you Hashem, sorry Hashem, forgive me Hashem. Just like a person makes a bracha on something that good happens to them, a shechiyanu, or a smasavereshis, whatever it might be, if something very, very bad happens, we have a bracha also, Baruch Dainamis. This teaches us a very, very big, found, the strong foundation of tefillah, of davening. Tefillah has to be not only because of the bottom line, end line, end game, as we call it, the person wants to accomplish through his tefillah, but because tefillah is the umnasam, this is our craft of the Jews, and that's how we serve Hashem Yisbarach through davening to Hashem Yisbarach. Tefillahs b'mokim karbanus tiknum. The tefillah was established in the place of the sacrifices that used to be brought in the temple. Since we no longer have that. We daven, we pray. And we find one of the worst, as we've spoken the last few weeks, one of the worst attributes of a person person being if a person does another person a favor it's very important to have what's called recognition of the good in Yiddish expression it's used I don't know why you hate me so much I never did you any, I never did any favors for you That's called kofiteva. That not only don't I appreciate what you did for me, I have a bone with you because of it. Or a bone with you for something else, but whatever it is, I don't recognize. Now the truth to be told, the human nature has that problem. Has the problem of What have you done for me lately? It's nature. Unfortunate one, but it's nature. 
Very few and far between are the people that say, I so appreciate what you just did. And I'm just indebted forever. And so few and far between are there that don't do it for any recognition whatsoever. They just do it because they just have unconditional love, unconditional caring, unconditional devotion and dedication to either that person in particular or to people at large. And therefore they do what they can do for whoever they can do it, however they can do it. They give their full heart and soul. And que sera, sera. They're not looking for anything in return. They don't expect anything in return. They just simply want to be able to help. They want to embellish, improve the person's quality of life, the person's life, the person's lifestyle, whatever it might be. They want to just do good for the person. Sometimes it's a person that you know, and sometimes it's a person that you don't know. Sometimes it's a person that you love, and sometimes it's a person that you didn't necessarily know. The Yidin come to the Yamsuf. Mind you, the Yamsuf was <coughs> journey's way from Egypt already. They had left Egypt on Pesach, first night of Pesach. And Shvisha Pesach, the seventh, the Amsav splits for them. So technically, it took six, seven days to get there. That slave mentality, that horrific oppression that they were going through, was still there. They were still having nightmares, I'm sure. But they were out. So after the first day, when you leave Egypt, you think to yourself, okay, that's it. That was good. That was fantastic. We weren't beaten today. We weren't tortured today. They're definitely going to get us back now. Second day, I'm free. And a third day. And ironically... They had an extra bonus to it. They had these clouds that were surrounding them, clearing their way, so the journey was not painful to their feet. The road was smooth. They were not burning their feet on the hot desert sands. At night, it illuminated the way. It killed out anything that was getting in the way of the, of the Jews, protected them from the hot sun, the clouds even washed their clothes while they were wearing them. So they had fresh clothes every morning. So after one day of this bliss, they thought maybe it would be over. But it came a second, it came a third day. And they traveled to the Yamsuf. They now know 
They're no longer slaves. They've been freed. They're actually out. <laughs> but they come to the Yamsuf and it's an obstacle. They can't go right, they can't go left, they can't go backwards, they can't go forward. Egyptians are chasing. Are there not enough graves in Egypt yet to take us here to die in the desert? <laughs> what else can I show you to show, to prove to you how much I love you? What else can I possibly do? I gave you freedom. I took you out of this miserable servitude oppression and I brought you out in, with covered godl with these ananiya covered with these beautiful clouds of glory and the clouds are doing so much for everybody making you so comfortable making you so happy making you so joyous <laughs> and what? Oh, you're killing! You're going to kill us here in the desert because you couldn't really get it. You can't really get save us from Egypt, and you got us out. You had a trick to get us out, to get us here, to get us to this point. But that's it. Now it's over. Why? Why the kafuteva? And then they get across the Yamsuf, and the Egyptians die. And they spit out, the Yamsuf spits out all the gold and the silver and the diamonds and the jewels that were on the horses and that were on the wagons. So the Jews pick up more riches here than, than, than who knows what. And with all this wealth, with everything that they're getting and everything they're accumulating and everything they're accruing here, they get to Mora. They arrive in Mora. Why was it called Mora? Because the water was bitter. And they couldn't, it was not drinkable. What happens? Give us water. Lebanazar asks, Why are they saying Tenu? Give us. Ten. They were talking to Moshe. Ten, give us. You give us. Nebuchadnezzar <coughs> answers in his in his train of thoughts always. But Makas Damit says, al Since the water protected Moshe, kishenelech the seichei, who went amongst when he was in it. Therefore, he could not cause Makas Dam. The plague of blood, he could not cause. He could not bring it about because he had to have Hakoras Hatayv to the water. He could not be a Kofateva. So, therefore, Makas Dam was done. It was done through Aaron. So those that have opinion to say that this is not Nagea to the water of the river, Dafka, but general water. <coughs> water at large, Moshe had Lahabdal <laughs> the opposite way. When someone has a problem with water, they fall in water, they almost drown, or whatever it might be, water floods them, or uh, just a wave 
flooded over them, whatever it might be, they get traumatized from water. Water at large, although the Balshemtiv said when you see water, you should always say that water is a simon bracha, a sign of blessing. But this now has become by them a, a stigma, and they just can't deal with water. Come on, old son. Here, water at large to Mesha was a very special thing. It protected him. We find Mesha says that Mesha got his name even. From the water I was drawn out. Therefore she called him Mesha. It doesn't say from the Nilus he was pulled out. He was pulled out from water. So therefore, on this basis, the Jews felt that Moshe himself would not be able to bring them water. Because he would have to take water from somewhere else or reroute it to whatever it might be. And this would therefore be a imposition on water on Mesha's part. And Mesha would not impose on water in any which way, form, or fashion. And therefore they said, Tinu Lonumayim. Mesha, you can add, you can join with Aaron. Join with Aaron, and Aaron will lead the way. Just as Aaron smote the river Nile, the same way also he will do his thing here, and you will join him. Tinu, you and Aaron join in together. once again we see how important it is to have the recognition of all good that a person does and gives us so we got the water out of the way they took a tree and they threw the water, a tree into the water and the water became sweet and they were able to drink beautiful now we're hungry we're hungry. Again, you brought us here to die. We're going to die of starvation. You can't, you can't manage to feed us all. So to which the answer, the response of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was to send down the mon, the mana. And this mon was able to sustain the Jewish people it tasted like whatever they wanted it to taste. Whatever you thought it wanted, it was, it, that's what it felt like. That's what it tasted like. It didn't feel like you didn't see it, you didn't feel it. But you were able to eat it, and that's how you had it. And then, once the mun had fallen, and the concept of this being the heavenly bread on which, sorry, according to some opinions, the bracha literally was lechem in Hashemayim. Moshe says, take kachts and senes achas, v'ten shama malei ha'imel, 
man. For what? Put away. Take one little pan of man and put this away for the generations to see. <clears throat> Telling us, not only figuratively speaking, that this tray of actual mun, which is hidden, which is put away with many, with a whole bunch of different items, articles, that were hidden for time of Mashiach. Not only that, not only metaphorically, not only just saying it, it's not just lip service either, there's a very special message for all generations to come. It's known the difference between the Jews and the other nations, the other nations, they are influenced from above. They are given whatever they are given from above without a cheshbon and without, without, without calculation and without having to do any kind of spiritual service. They have to keep the seven Noahide laws but there's no special tefillahs, rishonahs, and kippahs, or anything like that. They have to do. They have to do. They have to behave, and they have to act on, or anything like that, to bring about their food, their sustenance. They're chinam and They're free of all these mitzvahs, and therefore it comes in plentitude, whatever they need to have, because it's not dependent on what they do. Unfortunately, you see many homeless. You see many people that don't have anything to eat, that are starving in different countries in the United States of America itself. We have people that are starving in the streets that we don't even look back on, we don't even think, we don't give a backward glance. But yet, the majority, the vast majority, is got. They have what to eat, they have what to drink. And they have even way to sleep. But Shanky, when it comes to the Jew, our sustenance is measured according to the way we serve God. With the seed, the Torah says, in Bukhakai Saitelechel, with some say Saitishmeda, I see some Mason, the Satishmechem Yitam. If you'll keep my mitzvahs, you'll keep my laws and everything else then the rain will come at the right time and everything else. And you'll have your food and you'll have your growth and you'll have your plants. So our livelihood depends on our tefillahs, on what we daven and how we daven, how we serve Hashem. So the fact that the non-Jewish nation has, quote-unquote, plentiful. This is a general term. It's something that you see only a physical thing. But it's not really that enjoyable. Some people that just get rich overnight, overnight schemes, whatever it might be, and boom, it lands in their lap. And they enjoy it. They go out and they have their parties and they have their cruises and they have their flights and they have their vacations and they have their whatever it is, their Barbados or their, their uh, tour, their cruise ships, whatever they're enjoying. 
The Altarebbe says in Tanya, Kimandashadi Basar Basar Kasfoy the Sainai Shleber Sainai. Throwing over your shoulder to give somebody, to give your enemy something. You have to give him something, just throw it over your shoulder to give it to him. When it comes to the Jews, though, since it's a measured substance which HaKadosh Baruch Hu supplies us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does it in a pleasurable fashion. Ba'er Pnei Melech Mishlei the light of the face of the king I live. This is the mile of the Jew. That they don't necessarily have to have, they have Baruch Hashem Jews that are well off, shall we say, and live the life. But generally, at large, some most, most Jews are suffice it to be if they go away on non-yeshiva week, because yeshivas are all closed, so they call it yeshiva week somewhere else, but the yeshiva themselves are closed, so it's a little bit of a chukhatullah there, but okay, it's not apolitical, I'm not mixing in. And what's their luxury? They take the family to Orlando, they take the family to Israel, today they're going to Dubai all of a sudden. And you have the Yidni with it on cruises, and the gate of a cruise, and the gate of a schmooze. Fart. Fart. The nice film Yid has his. Say that I mean. Hein, come again. You can go away for Pesach, and you can have Gibrach's program, non Gibrach's programs, and you have all different things. They cook just like Mama. Ah, was kämen so nicht essen? Kremslach mit Knedlach mit Well, kol davar Mutter. Anything you want. Ashrechen. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you that you can find a place to have and to enjoy this. But in the general whole, the Jew says, I'm Good. I have sufficient Baruch Hashem. I want my sustenance to come from spirituality, from holiness. Even though it's limited. Even though I don't have it in plentiful and flowing and everything else. Because it all depends on how much I devoted, how much I put in. That's how I take out. And this is an Einig Baruch This is a pleasure for Baruch And this comes through the same concept of the man. The man didn't come down a ton of man, as the book says. Each person got exactly what they needed. So much so that it was only one day's food, which is a problem. Because when you ate your dinner, shall we call it, you finished. Your fridge was empty. You did not know what's for breakfast. And that makes you hungry. When we have paspasale, you have a stocked fridge, you have a stocked cabinet, 
And you get up in the morning, you can start some peanut butter, you can eat this, you can eat that, you can eat eggs. Well, slowly, go easy on the eggs, that's six dollars a dozen. But you can eat this, you can eat that, whatever. There's always something there in the house. Tomorrow, you know, I'll get up in the morning, I'll eat this, I'll eat that. It gives you a push to drive. But when you don't have anything left, your cabinet is empty, your fridge is empty, and you eat that last morsel of food at night, not knowing what's going to be tomorrow morning, it's pretty difficult. There was no such thing as a marbev, a mamit, the No such thing as this one got more, this one got less. You had exactly what you needed. But it was also given with love. The glory of the light of God's face. This is therefore a perpetual lesson from the Eid of the Mun for all generations to learn the value, the beauty of each and everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us through Kedusha. It all comes no matter what we have, no matter how it happens, no matter how, as we say in America, it goes down, we appreciate that we are getting this from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu only does good. So therefore we need to be mevater on the great world's riches, or the Jew that's not behaving and not acting the way they should, and they're giving, getting everything they not want, and here I am working so hard on being, being a diligent Jew, practicing and doing everything I need to do, and thus Habach. Nothing compared to that guy. Look how he's going here, he's going there, he's going on vacations, and I can barely take my kids down the block. I can't take my kids to the ice cream store tonight because I don't have the five, seven, ten dollars for an ice cream. And all these pustakis, they do cold over Asachasashon. In my opinion, they're not doing the way, not serving God like I serve God. And they get everything they want. Zaktundir, this is a as when someone throws over their shoulder to give it to somebody. This is not the sustenance. This is not the gift of Hashem that you're looking for. And therefore the Pasha itself starts off, Vayihi B'Shalach Pari. It doesn't start Vehoyo. Vehoyo is a Lashen of Simcha. Vayihi is a Lashen Tsar. Vehoyo is a joy Vayihi means it was painful. There was something wrong. Vayihi b'shalach pare. The Jews left Egypt, and it says Vayihi, a notion of pain. What could the Jews have done wrong here? B'shalach pare. The Jews left Egypt because pare threw them out. Not because they said, okay, we need to leave. This was Vayihi, this was a tremendous saratak and baruch already. Where already the Jews were not understanding, not accepting, and not coming into the realization of the beauty of Taylor and Mitzvahs that they were about to receive. 
and therefore drive and thrive to want to leave, but rather para you had to throw them out physically. Also we say Oz Yashir Mesha, then Mesha sang, we said these Vertlach already before, but they're very, very important to us. What does it mean then he's saying Yashir first of all means he will sing, and the meaning of course times of Mashiach, etc. We will sing the tenth song. But what's the Oz at that point? What was the point of this junction that Mesha decided to sing? We look at the passage before this, which says, Vayaminu Bashem of Mesha Avde. They believed in God and in Mesha, his servant. Mesha sinned gravely against the Jews when Akash Baruch said, Go speak to the Jews. And he said, They will not believe me. God is very upset with him. Don't talk Lashon about my Jews. And he was smitten with leprosy, as we spoke about, with the serpent and everything else. And Moshe was doing tshuva for this for a long time. At this point, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but at this point, Vayaminu Bashem Uva Moshe Avdei, Moshe saw they believed both God and in Him. What does it mean they believed in Him? He himself saw that they now have a different, that that Jews, that Jewish stigma that he thought they would have and not believe in him was gone, and that they do believe in him. And therefore he saw that his tshuva was now finally accepted. Now that his tshuva is accepted, Oz Yashemesha. Then he was able to sing, then he was able to rejoice, then he was able to be happy because he knew now at this point his tshuva was finally accepted for saying, as they do believe in him and they did believe in him properly. I will be another try, because the shir is a little shortened, but I have to go down. Um, so I will be another try to record another 15 minutes afterwards, but it makes the shir in two parts, which makes things very confusing. Um, in case I don't, I ask forgiveness for those that didn't get a full hour of a shir. The main thing is, though, that the schus and the god layim of Yudshvat, of the Messias of the Rebbe, and of the Yem Elul of the Friedrich Rebbe, and the day of this, the schusim of this day, and the schus of Pashas B'Shalach, where we travel, and we go and we leave Egypt, may we all merit to the Oz Yashemesha once again the singing of the tenth song of the song with Mashiach Kenu as we march this Shabbos before we have to go to anywhere else we will march with Mashiach Kenu to Yerushalayim in Kedish. in case I don't hear this year Shabbat Shalom